Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Sports Virus Podcast, everybody. I'm Joe Castellano. We're brought to you by Kane's Tire in San Rafael, California, with the lowest prices in Marin County for over 60 years. Well, today's guest is Scott Reese, who was the play-by-play announcer with Stanford for football and basketball, but he is leaving those positions and moving to Kansas City. We'll find out why in just a moment. Uh, he's an Emmy Award winner. He's been an anchor on ESPN, on SportsCenter, and other shows over at ESPN, and more recently he's been on KTVU, uh, but moving from the Bay Area to Kansas City. And here is the conversation I had with Scott Reese on Wednesday. Well, Scott, congratulations. I know you have a uh, career move that we're going to talk about in depth in a little bit, but uh, thank you very much for joining me here on this podcast. I hope your summer's been going well. <laughs> it's been interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll talk about Scott's announcement uh, as he's going to be leaving the Bay Area. Uh, you've been the voice of Stanford football and basketball, and I want to start with that, just the Pac-12, uh, get a little bit of your thoughts on some of the Bay Area sports as well. But uh, what was your reaction when you heard about USC and UCLA leaving the Pac-12 to go to the Big Ten, and, and what do you think the future is for the Pac-12? Uh, pretty much the same reaction as everybody else. Stunned. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, I guess nothing should really shock you at this point in time because we know that uh, there's going to be substantial musical chairs over the next couple of years. But uh, man, didn't see that coming, and certainly not so soon. Obviously, it rocked the conference to its fabric, uh, to its core. Uh, and, and as for the future, it's it's there's such a huge range of outcomes, uh, right, for the individual schools and for the conference as a whole. I don't know, and I think anybody who says they do know is is just guessing because uh, this could go in so many different ways. Um, you know, you, you hear all the the rumors about the Big Ten and you know the recruitments of you know they want Notre Dame, but Notre Dame is not going now, and so are Oregon and Washington in play? Is Stanford in play? You know, how does that play out? And you know, there will be dominoes that have to fall that will determine the future of the Pac-12, and, and the Pac-12 is not going to fold uh, without a fight. You know, they've got a new commissioner, they're trying to get a new TV deal. So they're just there's so many moving pieces that it's impossible to predict. But boy, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, we'll see how that all plays out. Uh, currently, you've got the San Francisco Giants trying to get into a playoff spot. But honestly, Scott, I just don't look at them as being a playoff team the way they've played this year. Uh, what have been your thoughts about the Giants this summer? Yeah, they're they're not a playoff team. Um, you know, I, I think that any any uh, rational objective assessment <laughs> would lead you to that same conclusion, right? Um, you know, they're sort of a 500 team. I thought they would be in the mix for a wild card spot at season's beginning. Um, I did not expect the offense to uh, take the seismic step back uh, from leading the, the the league in home runs a year ago. Uh, and look, we all knew that, I think most of us knew that 2021 was a bit of an aberration, right, that they overachieved. Um, I hate to use the word fluke, but if you look statistically, you can kind of think that might have been the case. Um, the pitching has been good, sometimes really good, um, but not out of this world. The bullpen has been inconsistent it needed to be really good and the offense had to be better than it has i just think you, you look at the whole package and this looks like a 500 team um and you watch them and that's kind of a, the way it plays out so a little disappointing um but but realistically even in april when i was optimistic that they were at least a potential wild card team i did not expect 
that this team would be in the same echelon as you know the Dodgers and the Braves and probably the Padres of the world. Yeah, and I'm going to skip over the A's because they've had a, a miserable season. <laughs> but I'm going to go. I'm going to go over to, to the NFL and the 49ers and what you think <laughs> could happen with San Francisco. Uh, you know, especially with a new quarterback. You know, I, I view it as Trey Lance as a high ceiling, but uh, it's really a mystery as to how he's going to play as uh, you know his first full season as a starter. What, what do you think about the Niners and their progress? <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know, it's kind of a sort of a real life version of, of, of those of you preparing for your fantasy football drafts, right? And Trey Lance is sort of <laughs> that guy, right? He's, he's a potential league winner. He's high upside, but there's also bust potential. And, you know, you're just not sure what you're going to get. And I think as he goes, the 49ers go. So, you know, I, I, again, wide range of outcomes. I am bullish on the 49ers. I think that they are going to have a, a really nice season. I think they're a playoff team without question in my mind. Um, you know, the nice thing about the way this is set up for Trey is that there are so many other positive aspects of this team. He doesn't have to be Joe Montana, you know, in year two, right? Uh, or Steve Young, I guess, would be a better comparison. Um, you, you know, he just needs to don't lose games, right? You know, make plays, pick your spots, don't force things, stay within the system, and let Kyle and the running game and, you know, the outstanding receivers and tight ends, let them do their thing. And he is set up for success. So I'm, I'm optimistic. Obviously, nobody knows how this is going to play out. But, but I, I am optimistic about this team. And I like Trey Lance. I think he has a high ceiling. I think he's got a bright future. And, and he's fun to watch, right? So if you're a fan, I mean, that's part of the equation is, you know, you, I really, really look forward to seeing week one because I want to see how this kid does once, the, you know, it's his show. So it's yeah. going to be a fun season. I do feel bad for Jimmy G. He's just kind of left in limbo. I mean, at some point, he's going to go somewhere. But it's just it's such a strange situation. It is a very strange situation. It is really unfortunate for Jimmy. I mean, he's such a pro. Uh, you know, obviously, we, everybody knows how well-liked he is. Um, and, you know, he, he can't really do much. He's biding his time. He's waiting to see. And, you know, we thought what, when, uh, uh, when it would look like when Zach Wilson got hurt in the first preseason game, right, with yeah. the Jets, my first thought was, well, there it is. You know, that's an ACL. He's done for the year, and Jimmy's going to be in New York. And end of story. And then, of course, it winds up being a four- to six-week thing, so maybe not. And Deshaun Watson winds up being 11 weeks, not the season, so maybe not. And, you know, we just sort of watched this unfold, and we watched it since March as, like, the potential options for Garoppolo as a really good landing spot for him just dried up one by one by one. Now, I will say there's still a couple weeks until the season, and injuries happen all the time, and we are only one quarterback injury away from all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo becoming, again, a very uh, 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 popular trait, not popular, but a very lucrative trade chip. So yeah. um, we'll, we'll see. It, it's unfortunate for Jimmy, but eventually he will land somewhere, and he will be, I, I believe, a starter again at some point in the NFL. All right, one more team I wanted to ask you about, the Warriors, and, uh, you know, just having the chance to cover them, being here in the Bay Area, and being an anchor reporter when you were at KTVU and, and even your time over at Comcast Sportsnet when you're doing that, just the way you saw them evolve into this championship team, uh, what are your favorite memories of it? Yeah, it's still, even now, it's hard to really have perspective on, on what we've seen and what I got to cover and what we've gotten to cover all these years. Um, I mean, the, the, the special nature, it's, this is, it's generational stuff. Uh, and, you know, to see them come back after the two-year layout uh, layoff and, and win another championship and extend the dynasty, right? Not a new dynasty, but extend the dynasty. And, and, and it's really, it's remarkable um, to watch how they built the team, you know, just for, from the, the drafting the right guys, right? You know, I mean, you, yeah. you, you don't hit home runs in the draft 
you know, in, in a short time span like they did. I mean, it's just, it's, it's really hard to do that. Yeah. And, you know, they've knocked it out of the park. So, you know, memories, I mean, look, I was at, uh, not this past year, but the first three, I was at the clinching games, you know, all three of the, the titles. So, yeah. um, certainly the one in Cleveland, um, you know, just because it was, it was different. Um, gosh, I mean, too, too many memories to count, honestly, just, <laughs> it, but, but just experiencing, greatness and the personalities and, you know, Curry being the, just the incredibly likable superstar that he is, you know, that that's, you know, you don't get that every day, right? There's, there's a lot of superstars out there with all kinds of talent who just aren't that likable and aren't that genuinely, you know, great people. Um, so, you know, I think that's part of it too. It's just the likability. Um, yeah, I, 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 perspective hard to come by. Maybe in a decade we'll have it, you know, if they wind up, you know, 20 and 60 again at some point. Right? <laughs> no, right now, oh no. <laughs> we're, we're, we're still in the thick of this. And it's, it's really remarkable, and I will certainly be paying attention from afar. We'll have more with Scott Reese right after this. When it's time for new tires, you want the lowest prices and the best service, don't you? Well, Kane's Tire in San Rafael has you covered on both. Kane's has the lowest prices in Marin County, and they provide the warm and welcoming service that you can only receive from a family-run business. Voted Best of Marin for 35 years in a row, Kane's prices beat Costco's prices every time. Kane's Tire, 1531 4th Street in San Rafael. Give them a call at 415 453 3942 that's 4154532942 for Kane's tire let's talk about your career and uh, you kind of dropped a bomb on me anyway i don't know how many people saw it coming that you would be leaving the bay area and going to Kansas City uh, you're going to be the main sports anchor at the CBS affiliate there KC TV uh, you know I know that it's a great opportunity uh, but when I was reading this on Facebook I was just you know stunned because you've been here so long and I've always enjoyed all the work that you've done here in the Bay Area so tell us how this came about you know it was it was kind of out of nowhere for me too um, but that's how it works in the, the TV sports business um, you know, when COVID came, KTVU essentially got rid of their, all their freelancers. Um, and since I was, you know, a freelancer there, in addition to my Stanford gig, um, it left me with kind of one half of the equation. And, uh, as you probably know, being in the business, um, finding, uh, sports anchor jobs, not so easy. Um, you know, and so, after a couple of years of you know grinding and 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 doing some freelance this and that and that calling a Pac-12 game here and doing some KNBR there and just you know everything that I could sort of drum up to supplement Stanford, you know the bottom line was you know it, Stanford is the greatest thing I've ever done professionally. It it literally ripped my soul into to have to walk away from that, but it's not a full-time gig and I'm not sure you know people don't realize, but it, you know it's a half-year job and it pays as such. And living on half an income in the Bay Area is not really going to cut it for. Oh, <laughs> you know, I understand. Years. Yes. <laughs> so you know it, the combination of necessity and needing to find that second gig, and also just wanting to get back into what I've done for my entire career, basically, which is you know a TV sports anchor reporter, um, had to open up to outside opportunities. This one sort of fell in our lap, um, and 
we, you know, went through the process. I went out, I interviewed, I met the people. I was really impressed with, with, you know, the operation. The role is great. I mean, they're essentially, you know, allowing me to, you know, have complete control over the sports department and, and, you know, things that I haven't really been able to done in a, in a major market, right? I was sports director before ESPN and small market, but this is different. So this is, you know, something new. You can check off the box on the career resume and, it was just sort of a wow. I mean, I think we 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 felt compelled to do this, you know, for family reasons and and everything else. Um, but man, oh man! I mean, leaving the Bay Area makes me, you know, sad as as you could possibly imagine, and <clears throat> and leaving the Stanford gig even more so. It, it hurts, <laughs> it definitely hurts. But it was the right choice at the right time, so we're going with it. Yeah, no, I I totally understand everything that you just explained there. Uh, as you are well aware. In Kansas City, they have a rabid sports fan base, and especially for their Kansas City Chiefs. So how much are you uh, looking forward to that, just the interest level that they have for a team that, you know, lately has always been uh, looked at as a Super Bowl contender? Yeah, I mean, obviously that's that's a pretty big-ticket item, uh, right? And, you know, it's funny. You go from, you know, the Bay Area market with the generational, unique, you know, superstar, transcendent superstar in Steph Curry to – the same exact thing with Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, and they are rabid. I mean, that community, you know, they, they, you talk about living and dying with their, with their sports, and the Royals, too. I mean, it's just a great, great sports town. Um, so I'm excited to dive in there. Uh, it'll be uh, weird covering the Chiefs, right? <laughs> you know, never, never even considered, you know, that would be a, something on my plate, but certainly going into a situation where you have a, a you know, an instant Super Bowl contender, you know, potentially every year for the next however many years, um, you know, that's, that'll be fun. Um, you know, playoff football is a good time, and uh, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, let's go back to the beginning. What made you want to be a sportscaster when you were going to Stanford? crazy right why in the world <laughs> somebody should have examined my head back then um, so I, when i was in high school i grew up in los angeles and uh, my high school actually had a broadcast journalism class uh and wow. my senior my senior year i took this class it sounded like fun and we actually put on a half hour live newscast once a week that aired on local cable access television. So, you know, I'm 17, 18 years old and I'm anchoring sports and thinking, wow, this is a ton of fun. People actually get paid for this. <laughs> so, you know, I went to Stanford and unlike, you know, most of my friends and classmates who, you know, dreamed of medical school or law school or, you know, consulting gigs and financial gigs and everything else, you know, I kind of thought, man, you know, let's, let's see if there's anything that I like better, but if not, you know, maybe we'll, we'll pursue this. So, um, oddly enough, there was nothing I encountered in college that was more fun than sports broadcasting. So I just, you know, I went with it. Um, I did student radio. I wrote a little bit for the newspaper. And that was kind of what got me hooked. And, and I decided to give it a go and, and embark on the great journey, uh, which was a long and winding journey to actually you know make this work. But, uh, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, I know similar to what I had to go through when I was a minor league announcer. You went to the smaller towns. You were in Utica, New York and Santa Maria. And then you go to ESPN. How did that come about? And how much did you enjoy working at that sports factory? Uh, you know, I, I, there wasn't some magic formula in terms of how it came about. Uh, I had been in Santa Maria. I was the sports director there at the CBS uh, down for the central coast of California. So the TV market was Santa Barbara, Santa Maria, San Luis Obispo. 
And I had been there three and a half years, which was a long time for that size market. Um, so, you know, I was antsy. It was time to move on, bigger, better things. I thought I was ready. I had an agent, and my agent uh, that I had hooked up with at that time just happened to be a guy who was extremely well-connected in Bristol. He had a lot of the big-name ESPN guys at the time. He had Rich Eisen. He had Charlie Steiner. He had a lot of those dudes. I think he might have had Chris Berman. And so uh, he was able to get them get me looked at. And uh, timing helped because uh, the year that I went to ESPN was 2000, and that was the year that they expanded the old ESPN News. If you remember back in the day when ESPN News was basically SportsCenter 24-7, yeah. Um, so it was just this machine that needed constant uh, filling and constant talent. So they hired, I want to say, six or eight guys uh, during the course of the year 2000. So all of a sudden, it's not like applying for one specific job. And, you know, it's you and 200 other people, which is how it works in TV. All of a sudden, there were eight jobs, and that improves your odds greatly. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, so I, they obviously liked uh, my tape enough to give me a look. And I went out there and I auditioned and it was, I mean, you talk about a rigorous interview process. It was, it was a two day process of interviewing where you meet with every seemingly coordinating producer and senior management person and they grill you. And then they stick you on the sports center set and they have you do a segment and you're like, okay, yeah, that's not <laughs> nerve wracking at all. Um, <laughs> But obviously, I didn't suck, and they hired me, and that's how ESPN was born. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I worked there actually for a couple of years in production, and I remember the interview. Uh, it was something about like, "Hey, size up the NFC West for us." You know, <laughs> they want to know about that, that you know your sports. You know, so they're gonna you know uh, basically prod you as much as they can, I guess. Yes. Yeah, and it's funny. I, one of the tidbits I remember is. I, I, they, they asked me uh, one of the, I think it was Norby, Norby Williamson, who was running Sports Center at the time, and, oh, yeah. and he said, you know, he said, what was the last book you read? You know, and I like didn't see that coming. You know, and I was thinking, <laughs> well, and you know what? It just so happened that on the plane flight out there, I had read that you know ESPN, the uncensored history, because I thought, you know, what better way to prime, you know? So I, I said that, and his face immediately turned to stone, and, <laughs> and and he said to me, and I'm paraphrasing, it's bull doo doo. Don't believe a word of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Wow, that is Maybe awesome. That wasn't the right answer. <laughs> Speaking of books, uh, you recently authored a book. It's an Amazon bestseller, Where They Were Then, Sportscasters. Tell us about this book. I know it includes uh, a lot of contributors from ESPN. Uh, and, you know, how, how did you get the idea? And, you know, what was it like to pull that off? Uh, so, the about, God, five, six years ago, I was sitting in a bar with a friend of mine who was an aspiring sports anchor reporter. And so I was kind of, I was giving her, she was doing some stuff for Cal at the time, some of the, the uh, Cal athletic websites and wanted to get into the business. And so I was sort of mentoring and, and I was regaling her with, uh, stories of small market television and just all the ridiculousness and the, the <laughs> stupidity that you've got to deal with in these tiny places and these small, you know, stations and a lot of really small minded people. And she's, you know, in hysterics and she says, Oh my God, this is so great. You, you should write a book. And I said, said, you know what, honestly, I would love to do that. I've thought about doing that, but like, you know, I'm not Al Michaels. Like nobody is going to pay money for my life story. You know, I could do a pamphlet, you know, not a book. And she said something to the effect of, well, you know, don't you have a bunch of friends who have like have similar stories? Why don't you get them all together and do it that way? And I thought, <laughs> that's genius. <laughs> so, so to some extent, I can't even take credit for this because it wasn't entirely my idea. 
Um, but I but I thought it through, and I started to reach out to some folks um, from ESPN, and they all thought it was a good idea, and they said, sure, I'll contribute, I'll help you out. And my agent at the time kind of ran it up the flagpole with their literary people, and it was met with sort of lukewarm, like, eh, it might be all right, you're not going to get a, you're not going to make big money off of it, but if you want to do it, to do it, kind of rained on my parade. <laughs> so I set it aside and figured, all right, well, it was a great idea, but you know, I'm busy, I got a lot going on, and I, I just let it go. Well, five years later, uh, a buddy of mine named Paul Diano who uh, Bay Area folks might remember. He was the weather guy at Channel 5 for five years. Uh, okay, and then yeah. he, went, he went to Chicago, uh, two, I think, two years ago, and now he's in Chicago. Well, Paul has written a few weather books for children, and somewhere along the way, he and his wife were so enamored with the process that they started a boutique publishing company. And so Paul calls me and says, Hey, uh, that that book idea that you were telling me over drinks uh, five years ago, uh, I want to publish it. <laughs> wow. Like, okay, sure. Let's let's resurrect that bad boy. So uh, so we kind of put our heads together and started compiling a list. And I went back to some of the folks that I had talked to five years prior. And then I thought, well, if we're going to do this, we need some bigger fish. So I started, you know, going outside of my closest ESPN friends. And I started going to guys who, you know, I was friendly with, but I don't talk to all the time, like Scott Van Pelt, like Trey Wingo and Kenny Maine. And all of a sudden, the, the response was incredible. Like there was no convincing <laughs> necessary. And I guess we sort of buried the lead here. The idea of the book is... Um, you know, small market television is is how do these careers begin, right? What did these guys all have to do to get to the big time, to get to ESPN or MLB Network or Fox Sports or whatever it is, because they all have the same kind of insane stories about working for two bucks an hour and having to move to Kalispell, Montana and cover, you know, ostrich racing and all the other just ridiculousness that we did. So the stories are phenomenal. I've got 15 former, almost all of them are former or current ESPN people. Um, recounting their their small market tales in one chapter each. And the beauty of it is they all wrote their own, right? So I edited and I kind of tweaked it, but it's these guys telling the story in first person. So like, you know, Stan Verrett and Neil Everett and Buchagross and all these guys who are ESPN, you know, stars, um, all recounting their own uh, their own stories. So anyway, we put it all together and, and packaged it, and here it is. That is really cool. And I think it's great for a lot of young, aspiring sportscasters because, I mean, I, some of them just think, you know, you kind of just hop into that chair and they don't realize what it takes to get into the business, you know, just the sacrifices you have to make. And that, that's what's got to come across from the folks that you talk to. Yeah, um, without, without fail. I mean, in every single instance. Um, and, and this at part of the impetus for doing this was I wish to God that I had had this book when I was 22, you know, because uh-huh. there's no, there's no roadmap for this business. And obviously it's changed a lot in the last 20, 25 years, but you know, some of the fundamentals remain the same. The competition hasn't changed. It's still just as hard as ever. And, you know, the pay certainly hasn't changed, especially at the small market levels where you're working for peanuts and you've got to would be willing to move to wherever we'll have you and, and, and do your time. And so, Yes, uh, it, 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 I, this should be in every broadcast journalism curriculum in America, in my humble opinion. Um, unfortunately, it is not at this point, but I, but I think it should be. <laughs> uh, before we finish up, uh, being able to be an anchor and be a play-by-play 
announcer on the radio at Stanford. Uh, it's interesting because, you know, there's a, two different dynamics really at play there. So tell us about, you know, making those transitions when you would go from doing a game and now you're, you know, anchoring. And what do you think your future is? I mean, obviously you're going to be the anchor, but would you like to do some more, you know, play-by-play and doing it on the radio, which is really the classic way to do play-by-play? Yeah, I really love doing play-by-play. Um, you know, it is it is it's not work, right? And and being a sports anchor is also really enjoyable and it's gratifying. But you know, there is work involved. Mm-hmm. And play-by-play doesn't feel like work to me. I mean, yes, you've got to prep the games, but it's just I, it's hard to explain, especially with Stanford, because I was so invested and I'm an alum and I'm a fan and everything else. You know, I can't wait to dive in and you know re, you know read up on next week's opponent, right? So. Um, so to answer the, the last part of that first, I would love to do more play by play. Um, you know, I hope that at some point in, in my future, either as a sole gig down the line or simply as a side gig, you know, in Kansas city and maybe doing games out there, if the opportunity presents itself, um, I would absolutely love to keep doing that. Um, in terms of the, uh, it, the skill set is different. Um, and I can only speak from, from my experience, there are no nobody is good as an anchor reporter right off the bat. Like I was terrible in high school when I was taking that class, right? And I was <laughs> terrible in you know Panama City, Florida, when I was starting my career. I mean, everybody pretty much is is bad because <laughs> 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 you, you cannot roll out of bed. It's not a natural sport. It's like golf. You can't roll out of bed and just start you know hitting three hundred yard drives. <laughs> um, it takes a million reps. Yeah. TV is the same thing. It takes a million reps. So. I think that, you know, there was an evolution there where it took years to really, I don't want to say perfect the craft because nobody's perfect and, and nobody's, you know, gotten to that point, but to get to, you know, a certainly a network level, an ESPN level, right, a Comcast Sportsnet level. Um, so it, it's just the reps and it's the experience. Play-by-play was different for me. It's not that you can be great at it right off the bat, but I, it just came naturally. For whatever reason, I had done probably... I don't know, maybe six games I had called in my entire life before I got the Stanford gig, right? I called like one NIT game for ESPN on TV and one bowl game on for ESPN radio. And I had done a handful of TV games at Comcast. But I mean, you're literally talking about calling, you know, five, six, seven games in my entire life, other than college radio. I don't know how much that counts. Um, before I got the Stanford gig. So, A, I was shocked that they hired me. Uh, but once I got past that, it was like, okay, well, now I'm a play-by-play guy. <laughs> so what's that going to sound like? And it just, for whatever reason, it came naturally to me. So um, I can't explain it. Um, and I know that I have grown over the last 10 years, and I hope that I'm better now than I was in 2013. But I don't know that the difference is as drastic as, say, the difference in 10 years of you know, on-camera TV sports anchoring, if that makes sense. You're also really good at uh, being a talk show host on the radio when you've done some fill-in. Uh, was that ever a possibility? I, I just thought, wow, you, you really did a great job when they called upon you. I appreciate that. Um, you know, I don't know that that was ever going to be a full-time focus for me. Um, I enjoy it. Uh, it. It's hard. You know, the, the, the pay scale is different in radio, so it's a little harder. Um the other thing that, you know, radio has now gone to, and you look at, you know, KNBR is the perfect example, is they've got, you know, F.P. Santangelo now doing that uh, 6 to 10 shift, right, yeah. Monday through Friday. And they've gone to a lot of these solo radio shifts. And, and you know, I mean, <laughs> solo talk show radio is that's hard. Like, that's it is work. hard. <laughs> yes. Right? It's a You're monologue for hours. <laughs> yeah. 
And, and that to me, you know, it's, it's kind of a grind. So I enjoy it when I'm doing it, but there's a ton of prep and there's a lot of, you know, there's pressure and like, you know, you can't have dead air. So now when you're hanging out with a co-host, totally different that you slide in and you're just talking sports. It's like two guys in a bar. Um, so to me, that is infinitely more fun, uh, when you're hosting and when you are co-hosting, uh, sports talk radio than when you are solo hosting. Um, but as, you know, as a career path, it's it's not that it's out of the realm. Um, I enjoy it, and, and certainly something that I will probably continue to do in spurts. Um, but you know, it, it's for me being that you know the TV sports anchor is just sort of my DNA at this point, and that's that's where I went. Well, congratulations on the new gig, Scott. Really appreciate you spending some time here on this podcast, and uh, look forward to seeing you sometime in Kansas City. I will be there. Barbecue on me. Thanks, Joe. That's Scott Reese. Join us again next time for another edition of the Sports Virus Podcast. For now, I'm Joe Castellano. Thanks for listening on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.